Hello, and welcome to the Hardcore Zen Podcast. My name is Brad Warner. I am your host. I am the author of Hardcore Zen, The Other Side of Nothing, Don't Be a Jerk, Sit Down and Shut Up, Letters to a Dead Friend about Zen, and many other fine books about Zen Buddhism and other stuff. This podcast is sponsored solely by your donations, and if you would like to donate, go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you will find links to my PayPal and my Patreon accounts. Those are my main and usually only ways of making a living. But as I always say, this podcast is offered for free, so you don't got to donate if you don't want to donate. This podcast is going to be about an essay written by Dogen called Komyo. And Komyo is translated by my teacher, Gudo Wafu Nishijima, and his student, Mike Cross, as brightness. Uh, Tanahashi et al. translated it as radiant light. Nishiyama and Stevens give the title as divine light. And Hubert Nierman, in his translation, calls it on the brightness of the light. Uh, it's a title that just, uh, the word komyo just kind of means light, but it's usually uh, has a kind of special Buddhist meaning. I just had a look on my favorite online Japanese-English dictionary program, which is called jisho.org, and they give the meaning of it as, the first meaning they give for komyo is bright light, the second meaning they give is hope or bright future, and the third meaning they give, which is probably the most relevant to us, is light emanating from a Buddha or Bodhisattva symbolizing their wisdom and compassion. And it gives a little note, Buddhism, like a definition uh, found in Buddhism. And the Wikipedia definition they give is Guangming, which I assume must be a Chinese word. Uh, that, that, that must be the Chinese pronunciation of these characters. I don't know what that means. The, the two uh, Chinese characters used to spell out komyo, uh, which, which I just used to sort of fool jisho.org into finding the word for me when I couldn't do it in a normal way. If you just write komyo in jisho.org, it doesn't find anything. Um, is uh, The first one is hikari, and the second one is akarui. Um, if you know Japanese, you would know what I'm talking about, but if you don't... Um, Hikari is a word that's familiar to me because Ultraman, I, I used to work for the company that made the superhero show Ultraman, and Ultraman is said to be from Hikari no Kuni, uh, the country of light. And Hikari just means light, and Akarui just means bright. So, bright light, uh, that's uh, literally the definition of it. So, it's a kind of a, a, a vague word, but it's used in Buddhism, as jisho.org says, uh, to me, light emanating from a Buddha, a Buddha or Bodhisattva symbolizing their wisdom and compassion. And if you watch my YouTube videos, you will know that on one of my recent YouTube videos, I just read you my paraphrase of this. So, what I did for the first sort of part of my, uh, what I'm going to do with uh, sort of, I don't know, my talk about uh, Komyo, is I did a paraphrase of Dogen's essay, Komyo, in the style of the paraphrases I did of Dogen's essays in my books, Don't Be a Jerk, and It Came from Beyond Zen. So, I made one of Komyo, and I read that in an episode of my, uh, my podcast, not my podcast, sorry, my YouTube channel, and I'm going to do the same thing here. I'm just going to read you my paraphrase of the essay. And then in this first episode, what I plan to do is just kind of go over the technical aspects of my paraphrase. I'll tell you what I did to it, you know, what, uh, what's different about my paraphrase from what's, what Dogen actually said. And then... Uh, I'll leave it to future episodes to kind of dig into sort of the more philosophical meaning of this thing. So, I hope 
today's episode won't be kind of boring and pedantic for you. I think this kind of stuff is interesting, so I hope it'll be interesting for you. I, I don't plan to get too philosophical in today's episode. I just want to kind of get into the, you know, how, how I did this. Uh, and then in future episodes, I'll get into what it means. So, without further ado, let me just read you my paraphrase of Komyo. I still haven't decided what I'm going to title this. I always leave the titles till last, so let's just call it Komyo for the time being, or Light, or whatever for the time being. But here goes, here's, here's the uh, paraphrase of what Dogen wrote. This old Chinese Zen master named Chosa Shoken, whose nickname was the Big Cat, once told his group, The whole universe is a monk's eye. The whole universe is a monk's everyday talk. The whole universe is a monk's whole body. The whole universe is the light of the self. The whole universe exists within the light of the self. In the whole universe, there is no one who is not the self. You gotta be sincere when studying the Buddha way. You can't be half-assed about it. But masters who put in the effort necessary to realize the light that Chosa was talking about are rare. Buddhism arrived in China a long time ago as an object of scholarly study and popular practice. But it wasn't until Bodhidharma arrived that the light was really transmitted to China. No one can get it on their own just by studying about it. They need to experience it for themselves. People think the light is something separate from themselves. They avoid the light like maybe they're afraid of it. Yet even this feeling of alienation from the light is actually an aspect of the light. This is real alienation, when we are not truly ourselves. Stinkers who practice the Buddhist way half-assedly are prone to think, the Buddha's light and the light of the self must be red, white, blue, or gold, like shimmering fires or glistening water, or maybe like sparkling pearls or jewels, or flashy dragons or gods, or maybe like sunlight or moonlight. Even when they read sutras or listen to teachers, they imagine the light to be like the light of lightning bugs or something. That's not what learning in practice is about at all. These kinds of crazy ideas have been around for a long, long time, even way back in ancient China. Don't trust so-called Zen masters who peddle these kinds of teachings. This light of the Buddhist ancestors is the entire universe. It's the entirety of Buddhas and the entirety of ancestors. It's like that line in the Lotus Sutra about Buddhas alone together with Buddhas. It's the Buddhas as light and light as Buddhas. Practicing and experiencing this light is how Buddhas become Buddhas. When we sit zazen, we experience as Buddhas. This is why the intro to the Lotus Sutra says, This light illuminates the 18,000 Buddha lands of the East. This is the light put into the form of words. Let's talk about what this phrase means. The light we're referring to here is the Buddha's light. Illumination of the East is the East's illumination. In other words, it means oneness between illumination and the place being illuminated. East doesn't mean this place or that place. It means the center of the universe. In other words, you yourself. The word East describes a specific place rather than an abstraction, just as the light we're talking about here is real and not an abstraction or metaphor. This light is also not just some kind of spiritual brightness. There is East in this world, and there is East in other worlds. As for the thing about 18,000 Buddha lands, when the sutra says 18,000, it's like saying a bazillion. 
And yet, this too isn't a mere abstraction. Still, it's something beyond numbers that you could count. Buddha lands means the inside of our own eyeballs. When the sutra says illuminating the East, don't picture it as some kind of science fiction type ray beam shooting out eastward. The whole universe is the East, and the East is called the whole universe. This is the basis upon which the universe exists. And we hear the words it uses to proclaim itself as the whole universe as the 18,000 Buddha lands. A long time ago, there was a Chinese emperor called Kenso who reigned from 806 until 821 CE. Once this emperor requested some relics of the Buddha to be brought to his palace. The story goes that at night these relics glowed in the dark. The emperor was pretty excited about this. The next morning, all but one of his retainers wrote him letters saying stuff like, Congratulations, emperor. It's because you're so virtuous that the sacred relics glowed in the dark. The one retainer who didn't congratulate the emperor was a guy named Bunko who had studied some Buddhism. The emperor asked him why he didn't write a letter of congratulations. Bunko said, I've read in Buddhist texts that the Buddha's light isn't blue, yellow, red, or white. This glow was just the light of the dragon god that protects you. The emperor asked Bunko, what's the Buddha's light? Bunko didn't answer. Even though Bunko was a layperson, he had the mind of a real practitioner. We should all hope to have an attitude like his. Nevertheless, if I could say something to Bunko, I'd ask him how he understood the words the Buddha's light isn't blue, yellow, red, or white. If you know that when you see colored lights they aren't the Buddha's light, then you should also never see the Buddha's light as colored light. If the emperor had been a Buddhist, he might have questioned Bunko like that. Here's the deal. The light is everything, like absolutely every everything. Nothing is added and nothing is taken away. In Buddhism, we sometimes talk about there being five worlds or six worlds. These are the worlds of hell, hungry ghosts, regular demons, fighting demons, animals, and gods. The light we're talking about is all of those places and everyone and everything in them. It's even the beings, things, and places you can't express in words. One way to express this light is to ask the question, how is it the mountains, rivers, and the earth appear at this very moment? We should take the time to really dig into Chosa's words, the whole universe is the light of the self. We must learn the self which is light as the entire universe. Life and death, coming and going, are the coming and going of the light. To go beyond ordinariness and sacredness are the purple and the crimson of the light. Becoming a Buddha and becoming one of the Buddhist saints are the black and the gold of the light. It's not that there's no practice and no enlightenment. It's just that you can't separate them into a means and an end. Ordinary, everyday things like grass, trees, fences, and walls, and the various states of understanding, these are the colors of the light. Smoke, mist, water, and stone, the paths of birds through the sky, and the mysterious way to awakening, these are the changing cycles of the light. To see and hear about this light is proof of having directly encountered and met Buddha. The entire universe is the true and real self, and the true and real self is the entire universe. There is nowhere to run and nowhere to hide from this true and real self. Even if there was a place to escape to, it would be through the vital path of bodily emancipation, that is, the practice of zazen. This present body, with its bones and its skull, is the form and image of the entire universe. 
The entire universe that we practice in Buddhism is the skull, the physical body, the skin, the flesh, the bones, and the marrow. A long time ago, there was a great Zen master named Unmon. One day he said to his monks, Every person totally possesses the light. When you look for it, you can't see it. It's totally obscured by darkness. Just what is this light that's present in everyone? The monks didn't respond. Unmon spoke for them, saying, The meditation hall, the Buddha hall, the kitchen, and the three temple gates. Unmon wasn't saying that the light will appear in the future, like someday you'll realize it. He wasn't saying it was there in the past, like you had it once but now you lost it. He wasn't saying someone else can show it to you or give it to you. He was saying that everyone naturally has it right now, including you. This is really important to understand. It's like Unmon was bringing together a hundred thousand Unmons and having them speak all at once with one voice from one mouth, saying, Every person totally possesses the light. Unmon didn't drag these words up out of himself. The light of every human being gathered itself together and spoke these words. Every person totally possesses the light means all of humanity is naturally the light. The light means each and every human being. The light gathers up the light and makes it into subject and object. Maybe it's better to say that the light totally possesses each human being. The light naturally is each human being. Each human being naturally possesses each human being. Each moment of light possesses each moment of light. Each moment of existence totally possesses each moment of existence. And the existence of each moment of totality possesses the existence of each moment of totality. So remember, folks, the light that each person totally possesses is the realized person. And the light is the individual person that each moment of light totally possesses. Now let's ask Unmon something. What do you mean by each person? And what do you mean by light? Because Unmon himself asked, just what is this light? This is the big question. When the mysterious way is put into words like this, each person is the light itself. The monks didn't respond, says the story. Although they had lots of ways to express the truth, they replied by remaining silent. This is the right Dharma eye treasury and the fine mind of nirvana that is authentically transmitted by the Buddhist ancestors. Unmon, the story goes, spoke for them, saying, The meditation hall, the Buddha hall, the kitchen, and the three temple gates. This means that Unmon spoke for Unmon, Unmon spoke for the monks, Unmon spoke for the light, and Unmon spoke for the meditation hall, the Buddha hall, the kitchen, and the three temple gates. But what the heck did Unmon mean by the meditation hall, the Buddha hall, the kitchen, and three temple gates? We shouldn't confuse subject and object and call the assembly and each person in it the meditation hall, the Buddha hall, the kitchen, and the three temple gates. How many meditation halls, Buddha halls, kitchens, and three temple gates are there? Subjectively, they may be different for each person who sees them. Objectively, they are the same. I mean, should we see them as Unmon? Should we see them as the legendary seven Buddhas who supposedly preceded Shakyamuni? Should we see them as the 28 Buddhist ancestors in India from Shakyamuni to Bodhidharma? Should we see them as the first six Chinese Buddhist ancestors from Bodhidharma to Huaynang? Or as a fist or a nose? Although the meditation hall, the Buddha hall, the kitchen, and the three temple gates are Buddhist ancestors, they also include each individual person. Therefore, they are beyond each individual person. 
Because they are real, they are beyond the artificial categories of subject and object. There are examples of meditation halls where no real Buddhist practice takes place, and there are examples of people who have realized the true state of awakening without ever setting foot in a Buddhist temple. There are Buddhas who have light. There are Buddhas without light. There is light without Buddhas. There is light that has Buddhas. Zen master Seppo Gisan once said, I met you all in front of the monk's hall. This was the time when Seppo's whole body was in the eye. In other words, it was a moment when he really got it. It was a moment when Seppo understood Seppo, and the monk's hall understood the monk's hall. Later on, Seppo's student Hohuku was talking to his other student Gakko about this. Hohuku said, Let's forget about the monk's hall for a minute. How can we get to the best place there is? Just then, Gakko ran back to the abbot's quarters, and Hofuku went straight to the monk's hall. This is an example of real action in the state of the truth. Great Master Shin-o of Jizo-in Temple said, The cook is going into the kitchen. This is a matter that transcends even the time before the creation of the universe. That's the end of the essay, and at the end of the essay, it says uh, there's this little thing called a colophon which says when and where it was written. And this one is a little bit unusual. It goes like this. This is my transliteration. And I've noticed, maybe I'll talk about this later, but every transliteration of this little colophon is different. And here's my interpretation of it. It goes like this. This talk was given to the monks on the evening of June 2nd, 1243. It was the rainy season, and heavy rain was dripping from the eaves of the temple. What is the light? The monks who were listening were pierced by Unmon's words. And so that's how it ends. And, uh, okay, let's go back and talk about uh, the translation, or at least talk about my paraphrase and why I paraphrased it the way that I did. Okay, so right off the bat, I took a little bit of a liberty. At the beginning of the piece, Dogen identifies the person who made the poem, who wrote the poem that he's talking about, as Great Master Chosa Shoken of Conan. He doesn't, Dogen does not mention that his nickname was the Big Cat. I got that from a footnote that uh, Nishijima Roshi adds, and the footnote goes... Master Chosa uh, Keishin, uh, successor of Master Nansen Fugen, people at the time called him Shin Daichu, Shin the Big Cat, because he was as sharp and quick as a tiger. I just thought that was an interesting little detail, and Dogen doesn't mention it, but I just stuck that in there. So that isn't Dogen, that's me telling you that he was called the Big Cat. Uh, and then, as far as the poem goes... I didn't take too many liberties with that. Almost everybody, well, everybody that I found who translated the poem kind of gives it the same way. Uh, I'll read you Nishijima Roshi's translation of the poem, or Nishijima Cross translation of the poem, just to give you a, a feeling of how it feels in a more standard translation, but it's pretty close to what I told you. Here, here it is. The whole universe in ten directions is the eye of a shramana. Shramana means a monk. The whole universe in ten directions is the everyday speech of a shramana. The whole universe in ten directions is the whole body of a shramana. The whole universe in ten directions is the brightness of the self. The whole universe in ten directions exists within the brightness of the self. In the whole universe in ten directions, there is no one who is not themselves. So, ten directions is uh, basically all directions. I forget how the ten directions are counted. It's like north, south, nor east, west, northwest, uh, uh, southwest, uh, northeast, southeast, up and down. Does that make ten? I don't know. Somehow you get ten out of that. 
Um, the one thing I kind of have a quibble about in the Nishijima Cross translation is they say, in the whole universe, in ten directions, there is no one who is not themselves. I translate it as, there is no one who is not the self. I think mine is a better translation. Um, I don't know why they said who is not themselves. That makes it sound a little less... I don't know, mystical, and maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe Nishijima and Cross didn't want it to sound so mystical, but it really says something like, who is not the self. And self, in this case, is the word jiko. And if you've been following me for a while, I had uh, put out a, uh, a video and maybe even a podcast in which I talked about how Dogen uses two words commonly that are both translated as as self in English. He actually uses more than two words, but there are two words that come up most frequently that are translated as self when people translate Dogen into English. One is the word jiko and the other is the word ware. And when he uses the word jiko, he is talking about big self, like the self that is the self of the universe. And often translators will translate that with a capital S. And when he uses the word ware, uh, he is usually talking about the personal self, the personal individual self. And so when you're reading Dogen in Japanese, you get that distinction. But in English, it's very difficult to make that distinction, which is why some translators make that distinction by uh, using a capital S when he's saying Jiko and a small s when he's saying Ware or some of the other Japanese words that also indicate self. In, in contemporary Japanese, the word Ware doesn't come up very often except in the in the word ware ware which is which means we um, they don't use the word ware uh, usually for just self they'll usually use the word watashi uh, but it basically means the same thing so it, it kind of means I but uh, Japanese is a funny language but in this case when he's talking about self in this poem uh, well, when Master Chosa Shoken is talking about self, he's using the word jiko. Now, the next little liberty I've taken, you probably spotted right off when you were listening to it. Uh, I used the word half-assed. I said, you've got to be sincere when studying the Buddhist way. You cannot be half-assed about it. Uh, and as you could have guessed, Dogen did not use the word half-assed. So what it actually says, if you look at the Nishijima and Cross translation, it says, learning in practice of the Buddhist truth must always be done in earnest, it should not be more and more distant, further and further removed. So that more and more distant, further and further removed is something it looks like a lot of the translators have stumbled over. It's it's a phrase that is in Chinese. It's often Dogen used throws throws in these uh, Chinese phrases. And often translators don't know what the heck they mean. And in the case of the Nishijima and Cross translation, they just, Nishijima and Cross just kind of translated directly as it is. And other translators kind of try to. Uh, do different things with it. I decided, based on what I saw other translators do with it, that and and just kind of my own intuition about what more and more distant, further and further removed might mean. I just decided to go with it. It probably means studying it in a half-assed way. I, I think I'm on solid ground there. I think that's probably what he meant. Is just kind of studying it in a kind of way that's not, you know, full on and really, because that's kind of so, something that Dogen often talks about, is that you've got to really be dedicated to Buddhist practice. So that's what I think he's talking about here, and I, 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 I think I'm right there, but, you know, I just want to let you know what Dogen actually says, so, so that you can judge for yourself. Now, the next thing that I kind of changed around is 
I wrote in my trans, my not sorry, I keep calling it translation. In my paraphrase, I wrote, Buddhism arrived in China a long time ago as an as an object of scholarly study and popular practice, but it wasn't until Bodhidharma arrived that the light was really transmitted to China. Okay, you should be very grateful to me for having put it that way because what you get in the original of Dogen is this kind of paragraph-long sort of potted history of Buddhism's arrival in China. And I'm not going to read it all to you, but I'll tell you what happened to me when I read it is I just, I, I read it and I'm like, what, 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 what the hell, what, what is he talking about here? Because it, it, to me, it felt as a modern reader, this stuff, like, like a digression. Like, I, I don't know, I, I suddenly am like off in this other world. I don't know what the hell he's talking about before he kind of works his way back to the point. So, I just condensed all of that history of, of Buddhism and, and how it came into China into just one sentence uh, that it was, you know, it, it took a long time to, to come. What did, what did I say? Sorry, I've already forgotten what I said. You know, that, it, that it, it arrived in China a long time ago as an object of scholarly study, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then just got back to the point without bothering to give you the whole long history of China that Dogen gets you. So, you're welcome. I mean, I kind of hate acting as Dogen's editor. Like, who am I to act as Dogen's editor? But I feel like for contemporary readers, this is the kind of thing that hangs us up when we are reading stuff like Dogen. It, it's a stylistic thing, and I don't think it's really important to what Dogen is trying to, stay, to say to us. And really it it's it doesn't it doesn't matter that much and if you really want to read it the nishijima cross translation is out there and the tanahashi translation is out there and the hubert nierman translation is out there and if you can find it the nishiyama stevens translation is even out there it's hard to find but you know go on ebay and you can probably locate one you know, so you can find it if you want, but uh, I just don't think those digressions and things are really all that necessary to what Dogen is really trying to tell us, and apologies to Dogen in Buddha Heaven if I'm getting that wrong. Now, another thing that I changed around is I said no one can get it on their own just by studying about it. They need to experience for, for themselves. Here is the Nishijima and Cross translation for, uh, for that bit, for what I made into that bit. It says, How could any have known their own brightness? Even if they came across that brightness, fetching it via the brain, they did not learn it in experience experience with their own eyes. Therefore, they did not clarify whether the brightness is long or short, square or round, and they did not clarify whether the brightness is winding or unwinding, focusing in or radiating out. So, yeah, I think that is a convoluted way of saying that they they couldn't get it. I, when he says fetching it via the brain, I, I'm, I'm assuming that he means by intellectual study. And then this, this other stuff about uh, whether it's square or round and, and uh, radiating or focusing in or radiating out. You know, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not sure, sure exactly what he meant specifically. I just think he means they didn't get it. Uh, and so that's, that's how I, how I took it. Another bit that I changed is, I said, people think the light is something separate from themselves. They avoid the light like maybe they're afraid of it. Yet even this feeling of alienation from the light is actually an aspect of the light. This is real alienation when we are not truly ourselves. Let me read you what Nishijima and Cross have there. 
Because they hated to meet with the brightness, the brightness became more and more distant and further and further removed. There's that phrase again, that Chinese phrase, from the brightness. This alienation, although it is the brightness, is restricted by alienation. So, you know, I, I had to kind of try to think about that and try to figure out what that meant. And I also used Nishijima Roshi's footnote in which he says, alienation restricted by alienation means true alienation or undeniable alienation. Alienation here means not being ourselves. So I kind of used his footnote as a guide to you know, figure it out, figure out what I, I thought Dogen meant and just kind of put that into the, uh, into the, uh, what, what am I calling it? Not uh, my paraphrase. I keep forgetting that word paraphrase. Okay, sorry. Now, next up, stinkers who practice the Buddhist way half-acidly uh, is actually in the original stinking skin bags who are more and more distant and further and further removed uh, hold the following views, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, stinking skin bags is a phrase Dogen often uses as a kind of term of abuse? I don't know. It's not, it's not really a term of abuse, but, you know, a term to denigrate uh, people who, who don't get it. And I also, again, substituted half-acidly for that phrase, more and more distant, further and further remove, removed. So, it does say stink, you know, so I, I, I preserved the word st stink in, in, by using the word stinkers. Now, in my paraphrase, I have a line uh, don't trust so-called Zen masters who peddle these kind of teachings. Uh, one of my favorite phrases that comes in the Nishijima cross-translation, one of my favorite phrases in all of Shobo Genzo, in their version of Shobo Genzo, is do not listen to the outlandish explanations of Zen masters. It just says it like that. But he's it, it, it in context, it means Zen masters who, who tell uh, stories about the, the light being uh, like the light of fireflies or the sun and the moon or like the a pearl or a jewel and all that stuff that I talked about earlier. But I like this idea of do not listen to the outlandish explanations of Zen masters, because I just think that's kind of funny. A couple of paragraphs on, I have Dogen saying, the light we're referring to here is the Buddha's light. Illumination of the East is the East's illumination. In other words, it means oneness between illumination and the place being illuminated. So uh, that actually comes from the footnotes that uh, Nishijima and Cross put in. Uh, they, they actually said, in other words, it means oneness between illumination and the place being illuminated. Dogen doesn't actually say that. Now, East doesn't mean this place or that place. Nishijima Roshi's footnote here says, doctrines of this place means materialistic philosophies, which affirm indulgence in this world, and doctrines of that place means idealistic philosophies, which affirm life in the next world. And he's referring to a phrase in Dogen, which is, Are kore no zokuron, which I would translate to something uh, like ideas about this and that. And I also have a phrase, it means the center of the universe, in other words, you yourself. And what Dogen actually says here is kento no chuo, which means uh, the center of a fist head, or uh, I think Nishima and Cross here say middle of a fist. And I got the idea that this meant the center of the universe from the Nishiyama and Stevens translation. This whole thing, uh, Dogen often says this, or uses this metaphor of the center of a fist or a fist, uh, just in general without saying the center of a fist. Um, he, he says it a lot in Shobo Genzo. And it's always been one of these phrases that I look at and I go, oh, geez, I don't know what you're talking about here, Dogen. Uh, but uh, Nishiyama and Stevens say the the center of the universe, in other words, you yourself. And, and I guess I can see why they would take it that way. You know, a fist is something very close. You know, I'm, I'm actually, as I record this, I'm like holding a fist in front of my face and I'm thinking, okay, you know, if, uh, the center of a fist is something you're holding right in your hand. 
so that maybe they're talking about the center of a, of the universe, you know, meaning that that's something very very close to yourself. So I, I accept their interpretation, but this is one of those places. Often when I'm working with translating Dogen, I come across these little phrases where I can see very clearly that all of the scholars who are working with Dogen are just kind of going. Yep, I don't know what this means. <laughs> you know, we're all just kind of going on our own intuition for interpreting it. There's no sort of standard understanding of it. It's not like we're dealing with a metaphor that everybody knows what it means, or there's some kind of standard understanding of it. You know, you, you think that there might be some, I don't know, some dictionary out there that says what this means, or some. I don't know, uh, cultural understanding that's been passed along and everybody knows what it means when Dogen says fist, you know, uh, it's just a, you know, everybody means that when they say fist in Japanese or something like that. No, it's nothing like that. Everybody who comes across it just has to figure out what they think it means. And in this case, uh, the Nishiyama Stevens interpretation makes sense to me. And because my teacher never really interpreted it, I'm, I'm just going to go with what they say. So, uh, so that's why I said the center of the universe, a.k.a. you yourself. Uh, that sounds good to me. So, uh, so there you go. But, you know, I'm just letting you know that isn't exactly what Dogen said. So you know, your mileage may vary, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Skipping on a little bit ahead, you're probably wondering about the line which it says, uh, as for the thing about 18,000 Buddha lands, when the sutra says 18,000, it's like saying a bazillion. Now, obviously, Dogen didn't say a bazillion. Here is what Nishijima and Cross have right there. They have... As for the meaning of 18,000, a 10,000 is half a fist and is half of the mind here and now. It is not always a matter of 10 units of a thousand or a myriad, myriad, hundred myriads, and so on. Uh, so I just took that to mean that Dogen is trying to tell us that 18,000 is figurative. And 18,000 is one of those numbers that you often see in Buddhist sutras that sort of it's like saying in common terms a bazillion. It's like saying kind of a big number. And it was kind of common practice in those days to sort of throw out a really big number that in those days was considered to be just so big it, it didn't matter. It was just like a, you know, a, a, a gargantuan number the way we'd say a bazillion these days. So that's, I just put it a bazillion. Now, skipping on ahead again, a few paragraphs. There's the paragraph that says, the entire universe is the true and real self, and ends with, even if there was a place to escape to, it would be through the vital path of bodily emancipation. Well, the actual line there, which or the phrase that I translated as vital path of bodily emancipation, is shushin no katsuro. And... Nishima and Cross have that as vigorous road of getting the body out. It's a very weird phrase, uh, and everybody has trouble with it. And Nishijima Roshi always said that phrase means zazen, and it first crops up in Fukan Zazengi, the exact same phrase. And he, uh, in in Fukan Zazengi, it seems pretty clear that he's referring to zazen as the, but. Um, other people take it in different ways. For example, Nierman's translation gives this as it could only be by getting outside of our own physical body. Uh, that uh, the the thing that they're struggling with is shushin, which is. Um, Shutsu is depart or exit, and Shin is body. And I really do not think that uh, Nierman is right here, because uh, getting outside of our own physical body sounds like exactly what Dogen does not recommend. You know, he never talks about getting outside of our physical body. I don't know why Nierman thinks it means that, so I, I really reject that interpretation altogether. But it is a weird phrase, and and I, uh, 
so so um, I, I understand why it's hard to interpret, but that's that's what I went with it. I think it means the practice of zazen because my teacher said that's what it means. So there you go. I'm influenced very much by what my teacher, how my teacher interpreted it. Now I'm going to skip on ahead a, a lot of paragraphs and. There are a lot of little nitpicky things where the different translations deviate from each other, but I, I don't want to bore you with all that. You can kind of go through it yourself, and probably when I do the commentary, I'll get into some of that. But there is a, a section where I found everybody has a d different interpretation, and I want to skip on over and just point that out to you. Okay, there is a section here which I give you as the following. There are Buddhas who have light. There are Buddhas without light. There is light without Buddhas. There is light that has Buddhas. This is one of those things that Dogen does often where he takes a phrase, in this case uh, three characters, which are the characters for has, Buddha, and light, and he just rearranges them in different orders and presents them to you. So Nishijima and Cross give this section as the following. There are Buddhas who have light. There are luminate Buddhas who are without. There is the light of Buddha in being without, and there is the light of Buddha which is existence. And Tanahashi et al. give it as Buddha of being light, Buddha of no light, no Buddha light, and being Buddha light. So theirs is the most, theirs is the closest to a kind of a literal reading of that. That's kind of what you'd get if you if you just read the characters it, literally. That's kind of what they come out to. Uh, and Nierman gives it as, there are Buddhas who have luminosity and there are Buddhas who do not have luminosity. There is a luminosity without Buddha and there is a luminosity with Buddha. <sighs> so everybody's got something different here. Um, you know, I did with it what I could. Uh, my version is I looked at the Chinese characters myself, just like everybody else did, and I gave you my interpretation of it. Just to say that this, again, is one of those cases where everybody looked at it and got something different out of it. And just for, I, I mentioned about the colophon at the end, and just to kind of give you a sense of how everybody kind of treats that colophon at the end different, here is the Nishijima cross version. They say, preached to the assembly at Kanon Dori Kosho Horinji Temple in the fourth period of the third watch of the night of the second day of the sixth lunar month of the third year of Ninji. So they really, you know, try to, you know, give a, a pinpoint of that. And the third year of Ninji would be in our calendar 1242, although uh, the uh, Nishiyama Stevens uh, version disagrees and gives that year as 1243, so there you go. Um, but they don't try to figure out what the third watch of the four, the fourth period of the third watch of the night is. I wish somebody would do that. I, he seems to be trying to tell us what time this was, this speech was delivered, which I would love to know. Uh, I, I tried to figure it out myself, but I couldn't. But it's, it's almost like he's saying this uh, speech was given at 8.45 p.m. or something. He's, he's actually telling us what time the, the, uh, the speech was given. But nobody seems to if they understand this fourth period of the third watch of the night, uh, if they know what that means, they're not telling us, and, and I can't figure it out. And then he says, At the time the rain of the wet season fell thick and heavy, dripping endlessly under the eaves. Everybody seems to agree with that. Just what is this brightness? Everybody seems to agree with that. And then this last one, uh, everybody disagrees on what it means. Uh, they say the monks in the assembly could not help being pierced by Unmon's words. That which, that's what uh, Nishijima and Cross have. The actual, what, what's actually written is written in Chinese, and everybody seems to have a different interpretation. 
Tanahashi et al. tell us that that last line means the assembly must look and break through Yunmen's words. I guess Yunmen is another pronunciation for Unmen or Unmon, I think is how Nishijima and Cross give it. It's just the difference between the Japanese and the Chinese pronunciations. Nishiyama and Stevens give us, where can we find the divine light? Surely Unmon will discover any monk who does not grasp a divine light. So a completely different interpretation there. And I just noticed that Hubert Nierman actually ventures a guess as to what time of day this speech was given. He says that the uh, the fourth period of the third watch is 2 a.m. So uh, they were up uh, burning the midnight oil there. So uh, he says that that's 2 a.m. and gives the date as July 1st. So it's hard to figure out what the uh, the the second day of the sixth lunar month is because well I guess you can figure it out if you really do the the work. I mean, I don't know how you figure it out, but some genius out there can probably figure out. But anyway, his version of that final line is quite similar to uh, Nishima and Cross's version. He gives us, Where was the brightness to be found then? My great assembly has still not escaped from having been pierced to the heart by what Unmon said. Uh, so there you go. That's uh, that's it. So those are my notes on the translation. And for the next episode, I will go into a, a more philosophical uh, interpretation of the thing, which is a much more daunting task. I find this very interesting because we're talking about light. And this idea of light comes up in a lot of the mystical traditions and a lot of spiritual traditions. In, in Christianity, we have Jesus saying he is the light of the world. And we have in Genesis, God says, let there be light. Uh, in other Zen Buddhism and in Dogen, we, we have uh, the one bright pearl in which the the light the the universe is a bundle of light that's uh, kobenchino roshi my my first teacher's teacher his interpretation of one bright pearl is is uh, he says the whole universe is a bundle of light and one bright pearl is kind of an image of light of the universe as light so this idea of light comes up i i know it i haven't had a chance to look up the references but i'm pretty sure in uh, nisargadatta maharaj and some of the other advaita vedanta teachers i've come across uh, uh, ideas of, of light as being a metaphor for what the universe really is. So it's kind of fascinating, this idea of light. And that's what I want to try to get into in subsequent episodes of this podcast when I, when I try to really dig into what this uh, essay by Dogen really means. So um, I don't know what I'm going to say in those any better than you know. So it'll be a, as much of a surprise to you out there listening as it will be to me. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you are too. So let me just wrap this up the way I always wrap it up, by saying that this podcast is offered for free, but as I always have to say, it is supported by your kind donations. And if you'd like to make a donation to keeping this podcast going, you can go to the URL hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you can find links to my PayPal and my Patreon accounts. Those are usually my only ways of making a living unless I'm on tour, you know, going out and doing lectures and things, and even those don't bring in a lot of money. So really, I am counting on your support. But as always, I think I just said this, didn't I? This is offered for free, so you don't have to donate if you don't want to donate. So anyway, as I always say at the end of my YouTube videos, have a good time all the time. We will see you later. Bye.